0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, From Him, Through Us, For All, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. matter, he's there making rivers in the midst of your desert. Thank you for the worship team. Hey, I want to pray really quickly. Some of you might have just uh, seen law enforcement here for a moment. And I just want to address it and tell you it's okay. Uh, We want to be praying for Ava. If you know that name, it's a young lady who's been missing since uh, this past Wednesday, Thursday. And so uh, law enforcement was here, so I want to address it and give us an opportunity to pray for her and pray for her well-beings. And uh, just pray to the kings of kings who know everything. Amen? Let's pray for that. Uh, Just want to address it from the stage as it may have been a distraction uh, for some. So let's pray. Dear Holy and Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we're so grateful for this opportunity to intercede for Ava right now. Father, we pray right now for where she is. Father, you know as you sit high and you look low. So, Father, we ask that you protect her, Father. Bring peace to her family in this moment. Father, we ask that you shield her with your blood of protection right now, Jesus. And Father, would you make uh, your will be known in this moment. Father, would you send peace to her family. In this very hour, Father, as they're searching and looking for her, even in this moment, Father, we pray that they would find her, and not only find her, but have the answers that they need uh, for such a time as this. Fathers, we transition into the Word. Father, would you prick our hearts? Father, would you remove me out of the way? No one cares what Denzel has to say. We care what you have to say. So, Father, remove me out of the way. Would you allow uh, for your Word to go forth in such a way That will cause us, your children, your people, to change at the sound of your word. Father, we ask right now that you would go before us. and Father, for everything in between that we have our hands on, would you remove us and do what only you can do when you enter into a room and when you move and when you speak. So, Father, as your word goes forth, we ask that you be well pleased and you be with us in the midst and for the remaining of our time here. Father, we would leave this place forever giving you praise, glory, and adoration unto you and you alone, Christ Jesus. Church, if you believe that, go ahead and put your hands together, shout amen, 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 and amen. Thank you, worship team. You guys can go ahead and take your seats. My name is Denzel, I'm so happy to be here with you guys. It's been a uh, very long time since I've been up here, and if I'm being quite uh, frankly, it will be the last time. Uh, at this time, I also want to dismiss our kids and our student, uh, kids into kids' ministry. Clap for them as they're leaving. You got little ones, you could send them over that way. But so happy to be here with you guys. Like I said, it's been a very long time, and if I'm being honest, it's probably going to be my very last time. And uh, many of you are probably like, what are you talking about? Well, let me get to this message and you'll hate me later, but you can enjoy this moment with me now on why you'll hate me, all right? So we're continuing in week two of our series called Overflow, and it's an amazing series. And obviously, as we jumped in last week and uh, Pastor Ryan started this series, it's on giving. And so today, just like last week, we're going to be talking about the greatest thing that all Christians love money. Yes, we're talking about money, every Christian's favorite topic to talk about from the stage. So, so excited that we get to jump right into this. But let me explain something to you guys, because when we talk about money, let's just be honest, we get irritated, right? Don't we? We get annoyed. We don't want to talk about it. It's it's too much, and the church is always begging, right? We some begging churches, ain't we? We just love begging. But let let me get you to understand something here today. I want you to leave this message and leave this place today with your heart being changed. And this is why. It's not about money. When you hear the topic that we're going to be talking and referring to money, honestly, some of us get annoyed and we get upset. Right? Because you feel like the church is always hammering money. You got to give, you got to do this 10% above and beyond go do, 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 do. mission. This is happening, that is happening and you get annoyed. Well, let me say for those who might be annoyed even in this moment, It's not about uh, we're giving because we must, right? Typically, we say we have to give because Jesus died and it's just what we, we have to do as believers. No, I want us to change that perspective and I want us to know that we can because he did. Catch that. We can because he did. So because of what Jesus has done before us, You and I can can do whatever that is, whether that's in giving, whether that's this or that, and we'll talk about that here this morning, but I want us to have that heart uh, uh, posture that he did so we must is what we get annoyed with, and I want that to change for uh, he did so we can. Amen? It's more welcoming that way, isn't it? Maybe, maybe not, but it is for me. So, Uh, I'm so excited to be here, and we're jumping in, and we're in 2 Corinthians this morning, chapter 8, uh, verses 7 through 9, and this interesting thing that we're uh, in, speaking about money, comes from a letter from Paul to the Corinthian church. And he's writing this letter, he's getting them to understand, Uh, they, if you read verses before, you should always read on your own, but if you read verses before, uh, Titus has gone before them. Titus comes and he tries to establish things in the church for them to understand, but here's the thing, we got to know the perspective of what we're reading from today. This isn't Paul coming to them and telling them a bunch of do's and don'ts. He'll even tell them his, you'll see his posture and his heart here in a moment. He's not coming with a commandment just because he can. No, Paul is coming because they've asked him to. That's what we got to understand. He's presenting this because they have asked him to do just that. So let us go ahead to the text. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 7 through uh, 9 here today, and it reads, words are on the the screen here with us. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in the act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Verse number 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. I don't know about you, but after reading verse 9, we could just stop right there, close the Bible, close the series, and end right there. It's an amazing text that you see what's taking place here, that though he was rich, he became poor uh, for our sake. So what we see here today is three things that Paul brings out. Say three things. Three things things he brings out in this text today. And the first thing we're going to see here is excel in your giving. That's our big idea. Everybody say that with me. Excel in your giving. Excel in giving. It's important for us to understand the context of what is taking place here. Once again, Titus has gone before them. Titus has gone, and now Paul is back, and he's speaking to this church, and he's informing them about all of these things. Now, granted, this acceleration, what's taking place in this charge that he's giving to them is the lack of right? He's telling them this because they have not done this, okay? They asked him to come into the church because they want to excel in this. They desire to be a generous church, and they want their generosity to flow like the other churches, the Macedonian churches, and all of this. So they're asking for help, yet and still they're not doing So Paul is coming in and he's letting them know the ways that they can do it because they've been doing it so well in so many other places. Our first point we'll see here today is this, excelling in giving displays God's grace. Verse number seven says this, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Paul is sending this charge, and he's letting them know, whatever you do, do it in in, in grace. Excel in grace. And he's getting this understanding. He's letting them know. He's setting it up for them to know his heart and his posture as he is coming to this church and explaining to them where they should be and what they should know. But let's just be honest. We're talking about a bunch of Christians. And if this was you and I in this day and age, I don't know about you, but I would be maybe a tad bit annoyed. You already know what to do. So here's somebody else telling you again what to do, right? With working with youth over the last five years here at Woodside and a couple years beyond that in uh, the school uh, district, uh, you kind of fall into this, you see this happening all around you. You see it happening left and right. It's called the I know syndrome. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? It's when you tell your child, hey, uh, didn't I tell you to clean your room or you'll get on punishment? The greatest response is, I know Or, hey, hey, you shouldn't do this because if you do that, it results in this. Yeah, I know. Right? We fall into this I know thing, but yet and still, here's a letter, here's Paul writing to a church again, again about their giving. Yes, they know, but he wants them to excel in this thing called grace because he wants them to understand the grace that has gone before them. And for you and I to understand this text completely and understand where we're heading today, we must understand the grace that's gone before us. So before you sit here with a posture like, yep, yeah, there's another man at the church telling me to give. Know why we're saying this. Let me just bring some clarity to the stage or to you all today from the stage. Woodside doesn't need your money. I'll say it again. Maybe you think we do. Woodside does not need your money. God does not need your money. Yet and still we're talking about giving. Why does that? Well, let me explain it. God cares more about your heart than he cares about your dollar. It's never about the dollar. It's always about the heart. We could do so much if our hearts were just open and broken to the things of this world that God has called us to. But yet and still, we just see money and automatically we get annoyed because money, 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 money. (laughs) Security, get get this man out of here. (laughs) Thank you. But he wants them to understand. And so this I know syndrome could fall on a bunch of us as we continue on in the text here. I don't want you to feel like that. I don't want you to feel like a a child in that moment when you're hearing something and you're like, yeah, I know. I know I should be giving. Or I I know I should be doing that. I I know. No. Change your heart today. Open your mind and open your heart. And remove yourself from this idea of this um, I know syndrome. The next thing we see here is when Paul is encouraging them, he's letting them know uh, this grace area in their life. He's letting them know about their generosity, right? This area in their life and what is taking place. How many of you know when you come to salvation in God and Jesus Christ, when you received him into your heart as as your Lord and Savior, it's not just that's it. There's so many areas of our life that you and I are still holding on to because we can't. Well, Jesus died, and that happened over 2,000 years ago, and he did it for me. Like, that's enough. But yet and still, we don't see the practical applications that take place in our life. Hence this series, not saying that Woodside is saying you're doing a bad job, but we need to talk about this as the body of Christ. Why? Because we all need to have the understanding that you and I can't hold on to things in the kingdom of God. This is his kingdom. This is his life. These are his things, and Paul's trying to get them to understand when you know the grace of which you've come from, You display it. You you display that. You know what you know. You know, the I know syndrome. Now we got our spiritual lenses on. Yeah, you know. So therefore, if you knew better, you'd... And therefore, you would display that kind of grace. You would do this in such a way where you don't have to be preached at. You don't have to be talked about. You don't have to be beat across the head uh, with it. Because excelling in giving displays God's grace. Why is Paul talking to this church about this? Because he wants them to know, if you understand the grace of which you've come, then, church, you will display that grace, excelling in displaying that grace for others to see. Second thing we see here today is this. Excelling in giving displays genuine love. Excelling in giving displays genuine love. Let's read verse number 8. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. This word earnestness is sincere and intense conviction. Sincere and intense conviction. He's letting them know if you love uh, this, this uh, love of, and grace that you see on display is happening from conviction. See, you can't understand the grace in which you come from and display that, nor can you excel in giving and that displays genuine love unless there's conviction, church. See, I'm so convicted and I hope you're convicted that it's not about someone standing on a pulpit in a, on a Sunday morning telling you about giving that makes you go to the offering bucket and give. No, you and I should want to freely give because he gave it to us. Everything that we have is his. Everything that we own, it comes from him. You think it's your knowledge. You think it's your your great stewardship. You think it's because you can pinch a penny to hold on to the next. No, God has done all of this for us. And so therefore, when we do these things, you and I can do it and display genuine love while doing it because we understand where this grace and this love comes from. What is love? Why are we talking about money and love? Well, let me explain it this way. I cannot continuously tell my wife, Kaylee, I love her without action. Action and love are one. But the world tells us you can just say it left and right and that's it. No, it's one. You know your mother and father loves you because they show you. Well, you know your significant other loves you because they show you. So I can't continuously tell my wife I love her without putting action to it because guess what? Then it becomes this thing where she doesn't believe it because the proof is in the pudding and I'm not producing that fruit of showing her genuine love or how that works for her and how she needs to feel loved and accepted and wanted and all of these different things. It's like going to marital counseling. Like you can't go to marital counseling and someone tell you, hey, do you love your wife? Absolutely, I do with everything in me. Why are you here? Why does she feel the way that she feels? Because you haven't displayed that love. It's the same thing when it comes to our giving and our love and this genuine love that Paul is referring to in this moment, right? Excelling in giving displays genuine love. You can't say you love something and not put action to it. You can't say you love God and all these things that he's doing for you, but you do nothing in your walk of faith and you just stop at the cross. Well, Jesus died, his blood is there, and that's enough for me. No, we have to excel in our genuine love. He's trying to get them to understand this zeal and this love that they should have in their hearts. And it's an amazing thing for us to look at because if you say you love something or someone, there's always action to it. Like working with students, you hear this all the time. Oh, I love my mom and dad. Praise God. Oh, my mom is so annoying and they won't let me go to this party and they won't let me do this and they won't let me do that. Okay, well, what happened? I didn't clean my room. Okay. So as a young person, you know a way that you can reciprocate love to your parents is obedience. And if they told you you are going to be on punishment unless you do X, Y, and Z, guess what? You're going to be on punishment. And this sounds a little crazy for any students in the room. you are like, that don't make sense. Yes, it does. Because you genuinely display that love and you excel by genuinely ex- displaying that love when it's love, when you do it. You can't say you love something but keep ignoring your parents like, all right, bro, i get to it. Or your husband or, or your wife. You, you say you love your spouse, but when you come home, you check out. You, you don't want to do anything. You don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. I'm talking to myself because I sometimes put things on a calendar on Mondays and I know my wife just want to hang out and I'll be like, babe, the guys want to go golfing. Pray for me as we're working through this, okay? (laughs) But I don't want you to think I have it all together either. But love is displayed, church. It's displayed. It's not just this thing that just happens over time. No, it is displayed. So let me ask you this since we're talking about love being displayed. What if I hypothetically told you this? In order for someone to know your true love and know your heart, they had to check your bank statement. In order to know your love and your heart and where it really lies, they had to check your bank statement. Some of you are like, what in the world is he talking about? Well, let me explain it this way. If that was the thing that displayed your true love and what it is that you love, that's the same thing when it comes to our heart. Right? Our heart shows so much when we do or don't put action to it what we gravitate towards is what we love and if we're doing all of this other stuff in the world but making 15,000 excuses on why we can't do it for the house of God or we don't have time and we don't have resources we don't have money but if somebody checked your bank statement they would be like well you love going to Starbucks well you you love going to spend time over there with those folk but you can't spend five minutes over here with the youth well, does that, I, don't have, I don't have the money. I don't have this. I don't have that. Well, okay, yeah, sure you don't. Sunday's at 1130. Everybody say 1130. 1130. You can serve in the nursery. Right? Giving. We're talking about giving, right? We're talking about overflow, and we're talking, yeah, we're talking about money for a second, but also, what happens for those who don't have it to give? Sincerely, you do not have anything to give an offering. Well, there's other ways for you to give. You can give. You can give of your time. You can give of your talents. You can give of your research. Speaking of talents, Pastor Ryan talked about the talent show, and I just, a little segue to money, but I mean, the grand prize is $1,000. That's neither here nor there. So you could just show your talents and your gifts in so many ways. Well, Denzel, I can't. I'd rather be in Sunday service, not serving the youth. Okay, that's great. Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays from 1145 until 2 p.m., we have school at church. You, oh, you don't have money to give? You can come give your time to serve these kids that you always talking about and complaining about. That ain't my child. If that was my child. Well, come teach this child how to be a child of God, how to get an education. <laughs> now, when I talk about giving again. Y'all better clap the same way. I'm just saying. <laughs> but there's so many ways, church, for us to give. Well, Denzel, I'm busy Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Them the staff meetings, bro. I can't. Okay, Sundays at 4 p.m. we have student ministries for middle school and high school. Uh, It's a little tight. (laughs) We gravitate towards things that we want to. If, If somebody was checking our bank statement to determine our hearts, it would show so much or lack thereof. Don't think I'm beating you. You know what? Y'all always think I'm talking to y'all about some crazy stuff. Listen, the Bible says in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm not just telling you to do it because you should do it. No, the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your heart today, church? This is why I started off and I wanted to tell you and bring clarity to it. I don't want you to think the church needs your money. We do not. Praise God for this institution that we get to call our church called Woodside. Praise God. But God cares more about your heart than he does for what you can do for this organization. Now, granted, what you do for this organization will live and outlast things that you do that don't have to do with this organization. And then when you spiritually check in, you should want to do things for the kingdom of God. How many of you heard of people who go and build a house from scratch? You ever know somebody who built a house from scratch? Okay, let me just ask you this, hypothetically. What if I said what you do on earth will matter in heaven? Wouldn't you want to put your time, energy, and resources towards the kingdom that you sing about, the kingdom you're thankful that you're going to? Wouldn't you want to build a heavenly kingdom like no other? He's given us the opportunity, church, yet and still. You know this church? Talking about money, kid. They don't need my money. Look at the lights. Like, what? (laughs) No one cares about the lights. God cares about your heart, church. Yet and still, our heart is so closed to so much, and we make it about more than what it is. It's not. It's about the kingdom. That's simply it. If you don't believe me, your pastor for the last three years have been driving that same pickup truck from Sanford and Sons. Look at his truck. He's outside. It's beat up, tore up. He got a, a 70s wheel thing on there. He tried to cover it up so he, you could still see, like, it ride good. Like, no, man, that leather is peeling, okay? We don't need, there he is. We don't need your money, church. God wants your heart. That's all He desires. You can't continuously say, oh, I know if it had not been for the Lord who's been on my side, grace. If it had not been for the Lord showing me love, the genuine love, and still not display any of, the, any of that in your life and your walk. It don't go together. So this is something Paul is encouraging this church to do. Why? Because it's important for us to understand. This is what it means to have genuine love. This is what it means to have uh, walk in grace. The act of grace. This amazing thing, the third thing we get to see here is this, excelling in giving displays the gospel. Excelling in giving displays the gospel. Well, how, Denzel? let Let me explain. We talk about this as if it's just a moment. Maybe that's a moment through Easter, maybe that's a moment through Christmas, but we talk about it like it's a moment. Yet and still you and I don't even understand. Let's take a look at verse number nine. For you know the grace of your Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for the sake, for your sake, he became poor, so that you by his poverty might be rich. See, we talk about uh, Jesus coming to earth, and we make it this moment. Some of us, I'm not saying this is everybody around the world or or the big church at large. I'm just saying sometimes we fall into the trap of forgetting. We fall into the trap of forgetting. And it becomes this thing where, okay, yeah, December 25th, we know the whole month we're going to be talking about, Oh, come, let us adore him. Four months later, he bled and died for you and me. That's love. But what does that mean on a day-to-day basis? Why have we gotten so comfortable and so complacent with being holiday Christians that we forget this is an everyday lifestyle? And if you and I are called to be excelling in giving so much that it displays the gospel, we need to understand what Paul is saying in this moment. You see, the Bible literally just told us, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake became poor. What does that mean? The man had everything. He had everything. The things that you and I sometimes we secretly say, oh God, I wouldn't do it if you gave me that much money. He had everything. Riches upon riches. He sat on the throne. He sat high, he looked low, but yet and still he became poor that you and I might become rich in his poverty. What is that? He humbled himself And willingly came to this earth so that you and I would have eternal uh, access to the Father. This is what he did. He did this for you and I. Yet and still, you and I are holding on to things like it's ours. Yet and still, you and I forget that we have everything because he first gave it to us. Yet and still, we hold on to these things as if it is ours. Why, church? Why is this our life? Why is this our habit? Why do we do these things? And why don't we display the gospel? It's because sometimes we get so caught up in the mundane things of life that we forget that we are supposed to live sacrificiously, just like Jesus. Oh, well, Denzel, I I, I give it this way, and I I, I do it by 10%. Well, let me tell you something like this. Stop living your life like it's a Christian checklist. This message ain't for me because I give my 10%. This message ain't, me, ain't for me because I serve once a month. This message ain't for me because I serve on, at school at church. This message ain't for me. Remember last year I mopped the floor? Pastor, didn't I mop the floor last month? Yeah, Tuesday. I did that. We go through all of these things and we make it a checklist, but God isn't asking you for a checklist. If he, if the son of God could lay down his life, who are we to hold on to ours? Who, 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 who are we? Yeah, and still that's what we do, and everything that we have. Oh, this mine is. mm -mm, That's my day off. Mm -mm, Come up here. That's my lunch break. Give above and beyond. Didn't they just put a new microphone? I seen a new microphone. We start making all of these excuses on why we cannot, and I love using this example when it comes to students, and maybe there's some adults in the room, you and I have had this conversation. I wonder if you calculate all of our excuses and why we cannot give, in giving excellingly in our giving, and we calculate all these things on why we can't, and then we look at Jesus and imagine what he would have done had he used any of those excuses on the way to Calvary. Where would we be, Church. Where would we be if Jesus Christ himself started making excuses on, they can wait. Mm, Man, I just got used to these homeboys of mine, man. I ain't ready. Yet and still we make all the excuses on why we can't do anything, but Jesus himself didn't think twice about dying for you or I. But this is what we do, church. Church. It, it's sad and it's, it's scary that this is the complacency that you and I have fallen into in such a way that we are not excelling in our giving that displays the gospel. We should give so freely, genuinely, and displaying love accordingly and all the more so we can display the gospel. Why? We don't want the world to continuously look at us and say, oh, well, they're just this or they're just, no. We want them to see our generosity and be attracted to it. We want, to th- we want them to see what we're doing and want to be a part of it. And above all, no one cares what the world sees. Although the Bible says, do these things so they can see your father and glorify him in heaven. No one, we're not really looking for that. It's really about your walking your relationship with him. That's the heart. That's the heart check. What has he done for you in order for you to do something for him? Now, don't get me wrong. There's a song that says, what have you done for me lately? Ooh yeah. We're not singing that right now. Because God is not, as though you and I put our checklists in place, God is not looking for a checklist on what have you done for me lately. This is the amazing thing that should drive us to give because it goes back to that same grace in verse 7 that Paul is referring to. If you know, you know, and you just do. It's not, well, when was the last time I did it? Or I upgraded my giving last month and, and man, that's enough for the next five years. No, no. You should just keep doing and doing. You shouldn't look at your life as, I just did that. You should actually jump into it and say, God, what can I do more of? God, where are you calling me to? God, what's next? God, uh, I did that. I'll do it again. And it's not to be seen and it's not to be the person to say, I did this. Look at me. Hey, I just gave. Yeah. No. You're doing it out of that conviction, that earnestness, that conviction, that sincere conviction is what the word means. This is why we should give that it displays the gospel, because we recognize what he did. So therefore, we can. In the beginning, I told you, I don't want you to sit up here and be upset and think it's about money. It's not. It's typically, he did so we must. Church, it should be, he did so we can. That's a good place to praise the Lord and get excited, because all that he has done now, we can give it back. And mind you, nothing we would ever do would mount up to what he's done for us. But the fact that he receives our gifts and our open heart to say, God, I notice what you're doing in my life. And I just want to give because I can. And I know it will never measure up to your riches, your glory, your mercy. But God, take something. <laughs> this is the posture in the heart we should have. Yet and still, some of y'all are still looking at me funny. Where's your heart today, church? Is anybody here familiar with Jeff Bezos? The former CEO of Amazon. Anybody? Jeff Bezos, four months ago, stepped down from being the CEO of Amazon. What if I told you that Jeff Bezos not only stepped down, but he's actually been downtown Detroit living in a homeless shelter? For the last four months, Jeff Bezos, hypothetically, has been living downtown Detroit in a homeless shelter. That would blow your mind. It would blow your mind. Man, this man left his office. He left all that money. He left all that stuff, and he's living in Detroit at a homeless shelter amongst thieves, people who don't look alike, the marginalized, the pushed aside, those who don't have it all together, those who lost their way, lost sight, mental illness. Let's just talk about it. It's just all of this stuff that stews in that type of environment, and yet and still he's been living there. I think we all know a man like that. That step down from glory to live amongst sinners like you, and you, and you, and me, yet and still, as humiliating as that sounds, he did it with you, and I, and mine, forgetting everything of who he was, that you can be rich because of his poverty, church. If that don't give you goosebumps, If that doesn't make you want to live for him, I don't know what will. Just let that resonate. He loved it all. And it wasn't a force out. It wasn't an eviction. It wasn't a mandate. It was his heart to please the Father and do his will. Yet and still, you and I are holding on to our life as if it mattered that much. This is mine. I can't give it. Mm-mm, I work so hard. God, God, are you sure you want me to give? The, God, are you sure you want me to step in this way? God, are you sure? Am I hearing? I'm going to wait. Stop waiting, church. He's telling you to do it right now. We're waiting for the sky to blow up and we're waiting for this and that. He's already told you to do it. Stop looking for a fresh fresh sign. No, he wants it now. Whether that's your resources, your money, your time, your effort, your devotion to him, your heart to him. For those of you that are in here and have not fully devoted yourself to him, whatever the case may be, he wants it now. And he wants it all. Not partially, not 50-50, not twice a month when I serve, not every other week. He wants it all until you see him face to face. Church, I hope and I pray that we would stop being the church that make our life so comfortable that we can't give everything to him, that we got to make our life so much about us that it's going to matter. I hate to say this, church, but I need to tell you today, the kingdom of God will outlive you. While you're storing up all of this stuff, what you got to have, this is mine. No one can touch it. No one can have it. It is all going to perish, and the kingdom is still going to outlive you. So if the kingdom of God is going to outlive you, I don't know about you, church, I want to help build that kingdom. I want to step in to what he's calling me to step into. I want to give freely the way he's calling me to give. I want to give my time. I want to give my resources. I want to go above and beyond. The scripture says, excel in these things. Well, what what does the Bible say? It's 10%. Okay, I, I, I I got this. No, no, no. Excel. Because he freely died for you and I. that we may be rich. It's not riches on earth, church. It's a spiritual enrichment. That because we've received him, we can now be free and live with him in eternity. Let us stand. It is my hope, it is my prayer that we would be that church thriving in our giving, thriving in our generosity, thriving in everything we do, put our minds to and touch because that's the church he's coming back for. That's the church he wants. A church who would live in such surrenderance that nothing matters of this world. It is my heart. I know it's Pastor Ryan's heart. I pray that we would get there as a church. Not counting what we have and what we cannot give away, but stepping fully into his presence saying, God, I have this and nothing else, but here it is. God, I have little, I have less, I have more, I have whatever. You just fully step in and you just lay it at his feet with the heart of surrendering everything of you to him. May it be so. Let us pray. Dear Holy and Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Father, we ask right now, Father, that we would be that exact church that desires to live for you and full surrender of ourselves. Father, that we won't just be a church that have a good worship team or a good marriage ministry or a good this and a good that, but Father, in all that we are, it would be pleasing to you. From giving to students, to kids, to serving, to uh, love, Father, that this would be a church you would be well pleased with. Because Father, we're giving it to you as you have freely given it to us. Father, I pray for anybody who's here under the sound of my voice and maybe today some of this is all a new form of a concept to freely live for you. Those who don't know you yet as Abba, Father, as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that this would be the place that not only would we change our hearts on the things we've been doing, but we can open our hearts for those who still don't know you. Father, that you would wrap them in your love, wrap them in your mercy. Father, that you would be to them what you've already been to us. So good, good, loving, sacrificial Father. So, father, we say thank you today. Thank you for the sending of your Son, that he would come low to us as rich as he was, becoming poor, that we may, as his children, be rich because of his poverty. Jesus, may we never forget what you've done. May you not just ever, may you never become a calendar king. May you be the king that shapes our lives day to day, day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour. Lord, may we be that church that in all we have, in all we do, we lay it at your feet and we give it to you. Father, we love you, we praise you, we ask all of these things and the name that has the power to save and the name that has the power that demons flee at the sound of that name father the name that will never fade the name that will never retire the name that will never not be heard that is the name above all and that is the name of our lord and our savior jesus christ church if you believe that go ahead put your hands together shout amen amen